Welcome to NextCast, a podcast about teaching and learning at Humber College. I'm Nathan Whitlock, an editor at Humber Press. On NextCast, we talk to some of the faculty and staff who are leading innovation at Humber, both inside and outside the classroom. In this episode, we talk to Daniel Baer, a professor in Humber's criminal justice degree program about research into attitudes towards cannabis education that he did with a team of students. Welcome to NextCast, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. So over the past year, you've been working on a project that's actually led by a student team uh, called Making Decisions About Cannabis. We have a great Q&A with you about this project in our upcoming issue of Next Magazine. Um, And I want to talk to you a little bit more about how that all came together and and the whole process. But before we get to that, um, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about your background in terms of this kind of research. Sure. I've been working in drugs policy for about 15 years now. And I got into drugs policy for a couple of reasons, uh, in part because I grew up in Los Angeles uh, during really what was the height of the crack wars in the late 80s and early 90s. And, you know, back then drugs were always portrayed as this huge evil and drug users were bad people and drug dealers were bad people. And it was a very, you know, um, one-dimensional portrayal of the issue. And as I got older, I started to see the complexity of the situation and how socioeconomic factors came into play and how systematic trauma and all these other things informed why people got into drug use and drug dealing and how systematic um, legal issues and economic issues forced people into selling drugs and and sort of seeing the bigger picture of it. And I realized it was one of those things where the rabbit hole just kept going and going. And it was at the nexus of all these other issues. So it was a great place uh, to be if you wanted to study the world. And I've studied policing, I've studied medical cannabis issues, uh, I've looked at uh, incarceration-related issues. So it's been a great uh, field to situate myself in, just to really have a a way of of examining all these different challenges in the world through the idea of drugs. This project that that I mentioned that you've been doing over this past year, um, how did that come about? What was the sort of genesis of it? I'd been looking for a project uh, to get involved with around the legalization of cannabis. We knew this was coming for a while since the liberal government was elected. And, uh, you know, seeing the policy come to fruition through Bill C-45, seeing the task force before that, that developed some recommendations, I realized that one of the things that I didn't have a good grasp of was not what the best practices were in terms of, you know, uh, drug education for young people and things like that, but I didn't understand how young people were making the decisions about where and when and how to use cannabis. There'd been some research out there, uh, but I felt like as a researcher, it was an area that I hadn't tackled before, that hadn't been tackled sufficiently from my mind, and it hadn't been tackled in a newly legalized framework. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to talk to young people about where they're getting their information about cannabis, to talk to them about how they decide, you know, should I use a vaporizer, should I smoke a joint, things like this. What are the actual sources of information feeding that knowledge? Because that way we can create better evidence-informed education materials to use with them. And you uh, clearly have been doing this kind of work for a long time, for, for, for a decade at least. But this project in particular was very much student-led. Yeah, so this project relied on three really outstanding research assistants uh, who were tasked with leading the focus groups. And in a large research project, or really any big research project, you 
you wouldn't necessarily have the research assistants lead the focus groups or lead the interviews, especially when they're undergraduates. But I was fortunate in that uh, I think our program does a lot of good prep work for getting students ready to collect data. Uh, all the students in the CJ degree uh, do a senior thesis project, and so they've all had research methods work, and they've done some of that work themselves. Uh, but letting them take the lead on this was necessary because we were talking to students, and it would be a touch awkward uh, if the professor that they had potentially the last semester was one answering the questions. And so having these these young women lead the focus groups really opened up the discussion and I think provided a level of frankness and a level of connection that I wouldn't have been able necessarily to have. You know, students see themselves in the researcher and I think they're a bit more willing to get into that sacred element a bit quicker and a bit more uh, openly than if it's, you know, the, the professor sitting across the table from you. And are you able to give their names of the of these three young women who were? Yeah, of course. It's uh, Simone Barnaby, Holly Winnen, and Vanessa Kay. And they're all criminal justice degree students. Simone and Vanessa are just about to graduate, and Holly's just about to start her fourth year. And I wonder, having them doing the running these focus groups, which, as you say, is not the usual method or the usual process, I wonder if you learned uh, something yourself from from kind of delegating that responsibility and watching them do it and bring having you know going back over that data that they brought in. Yeah, I mean, I really turned a lot over to them uh, in a way that I have not in previous work. They did a lot of the literature review. They ran the focus groups. They led on the analysis and the development of the coding framework. And, you know, as someone who has never had a lot of money in the research that he's doing, uh, I've always had to shoulder a lot of uh, the work, you know, and seeing other people so competently and so effectively take on the work and being able to sit back a bit and, and see the bigger picture of the research was both a really freeing experience for me and, and being able to be able to digest things a bit differently than I ever had, but it was also really gratifying to see uh, students that I had taught, you know, several times over the years stand up so readily to um, to the challenges placed in front of them and to, to work together and to engage with one another uh, in, a, in a manner that showed a, a really high degree of professionalism in most cases. So it was, it was really great as a teacher to, to see, oh, wait, like they're actually doing the stuff outside of the classroom, quote unquote, that, that I wanted them to be able to do. And like, it was very gratifying in that regard. It was almost like uh, instant uh, validation for your teaching, an instant... Uh... A bit, yeah. It, it sounds a bit self-centered when you put it like that. But it's, you know, we don't get to see our students when they go out into the field, uh, whether for placements or, you know, once they graduate. And we hear back from some of them from time to time, or we hear back from employers at our PAC meetings. But to really have uh, such a visible and clear indication of the quality of the work that they're capable of, really gratifying. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to other faculty, even here at Humber, who want to, to understand the topic a little more? The advice I would give to faculty is that this may seem like a public health issue or a drugs issue, but Deloitte has estimated that within a few years, this is going to be a $22 billion a year industry. And that's going to include tourism. It's going to include journalism. It's going to include public health issues. It's going to include many facets of our economy. And while only about 20-ish to 15% of adults are going to be consuming cannabis on any sort of regular basis, compared to about 80% plus who consume alcohol, 
uh, we're still going to see a massive impact on our economy and a massive impact on the types of jobs that are available. So I think that faculty need to look at the cannabis-specific issue as one where there are jobs that are going to be created that have not necessarily been there in the legal marketplace before, and they need to think about how they're preparing their students to engage in that. And I don't think they're particularly different roles than many of the other roles that are out there. You know, if, if you're going to be going into uh, business uh, analytics, well, the business analytics for a cannabis company is not going to be that terribly different than other places. Uh, and I think you can start building that in with case studies and work in, into your own schooling. I would say there's another side of it, which is harm reduction and concern about opiates and the overdose crisis. And I'm actually running a research project on that as well right now. And I think faculty there need to think about how the issues of opiates, drug addiction, um, and the fear that many people are experiencing around that can be brought into their classroom to help talk about uh, issues of not just the drug itself, but how we treat people in our community, how we think about issues of stigma, how we prepare ourselves to respond to crises. There, I think there's huge issues uh, in the overdose crisis beyond simply the fact that uh, people are dying of overdoses, which are increasingly related to fentanyl. I think there's a lot of opportunity to think about and reflect as teachers how we engage with people in stigmatized groups in other communities, even if we don't see opiates and those issues being directly related to our, our own classroom work. It does seem like one of those areas, you know, uh, a bit like, uh, uh, you know, gender issues or consent education, where it's not just a matter of, well, now this is legal and this is not, so we're all done discussing it. There, it, it opens a whole new, you know, universe of discussions and learning and, mm -hmm. and opportunities, really. Exactly. Yeah, I, th I think what we're seeing right now is, as I said earlier, massive societal shifts at very uh, quick pace that we're not used to. I mean, we're, as human society, we're, we kind of, you know, we've progressed quite a bit for over the last few thousand years, but it's taken a long time. And the speed at which we're moving now requires that I think we as educators have to confront these challenging and emerging topics like the overdose epidemic uh, in a way that maybe was seen to be outside of our wheelhouse. But it's, you know, it's really something that we all need to be engaged with in order to make sure that students get that information before they encounter that, that issue in the world. Well, speaking of the future and, and where we're headed, um, I was curious what the uh, future of this actual project is and, and where you're taking this research. I'm, I'm assuming massive societal shifts isn't quite in the, uh, in the plan, but what do you have planned for, the, for, this, for this research? So this research is uh, coming with me to Paris by the time this airs, and I'll be presenting at the International Society for the Study of Drugs Policy and uh, going over with colleagues from around the world how Canadian uh, post-secondary students may be talking about and making their decisions about cannabis use. We're also going to be uh, engaging with this idea uh, with a report uh, published for the school. We're hoping to do some publishing. And one of the key things we wanted to do was use this information to help inform some of the drugs education materials that are out there. Uh, so we've got some partnerships lined up that will allow us to help take this information uh, and infuse it into drugs education material that will be used uh, at colleges and universities across Canada. We'll also be presenting at Humber's Showcase on June 6th. Uh, that's uh, going to incorporate a bit of the research, but it's also going to be uh, just a bit of my own work and analysis on what's happened since legalization. Uh, last year I did a presentation just ahead of legalization 
and people had tons of questions, really engaged, um, and we're hoping to sort of uh, repeat that success again this year. Well, I hope you do, and, and thanks for letting us know what's, uh, what's going on with this. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's been great. Nextcast is produced by Kristen Valois for Humber Press with the assistance of the creative productions team at the Center for Teaching and Learning. Special thanks to Santino Pinozzo. To listen to previous episodes of Nextcast and to read issues of Next Magazine, go to humberpress.com. You can also find free downloadable transcripts of every Nextcast episode at humberpress.com. To suggest stories for future episodes of Nextcast or to just let us know what you think, email humberpress, all one word, at humber.ca. That's humberpress at humber.ca. Thanks, and see you next time. That's still not a pun.